just another episode of Wanderings and Wool Gathering. Here's Foggy. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 28. The episode where the boys and I, a stately pleasure dome decree, where Alf the sacred river ran through caverns measureless to man, down to a sunless sea. I'm your host, Foggy, and with me as always, JPP. What up? <laughs> and Metalhead Monday. Step inside into his mind. It's boy band time. It's Metalhead Monday. What's up, guys? Hopefully one day I'll live up to that theme song. <laughs> well, it's boy band time. You got that going, so we're all right. <laughs> oh, you might move to Korea. It's getting pretty hot over there. That's right. Ooh, K-pop. K-pop. <laughs> Absent this week is T-Bags. He is on assignment and will be returning next week, but uh, his presence will be felt this week as he has turned in some vital splats and challenges. So, gentlemen, how are you tonight? Doing well. You know, speaking of, uh, you know, the boy band thing, I think Mundy can start his own genre called M-Pop. What would that consist of, I wonder? Probably some industrial beats and major chords. Yeah, it would have to be something like really contradictory, something really heavy. Uh, well, no, baby metal's kind of got that covered. True, that's very true. It, it would be something similar, but maybe with a deeper voice. Who knows? There you go. <laughs> then we kind of get into uh, Andrew WK territory. This is true, but at least it's fun. <laughs> fun for whom? <laughs> well, I got to say, you know, in college, when his stuff was breaking out, it was a little... Uh, I wouldn't say perturbed, but I, I was certainly annoyed by it and didn't want to listen to it. But as I kind of go back and revisit that, it's like, you know what? This isn't too bad. It's actually kind of enjoyable. Uh, same. Yeah. I was like, what in the world is this crap? And now I love it. Uh, he's he's funny. He's he's just great. Fun to listen to. Totally. Very cool. What's shaking with you, Foggy? I got nothing, fellas. Job's just a drag. Today was terrible. I don't know. Tomorrow, I'm not sure it's going to be any better. So, so uh, here. Good times, soon. everybody. We'll have to play schools out for summer for you here before too long. Good. There you go. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, after today, I just, uh, I don't even want to go back. But Who looks not. forward to it more, the students or the administration? To going back? And, until getting out. Man, I don't know at this point. I, I've never been in this position before, and I'm just like, if I have to see one more kid for the same freaking thing I've seen him for 50 times already, I'm just oh, <laughs> brutal. It is brutal. You know, you could say I'm I'm tired of uh, the charades, but maybe you should start, you know, having the discussion in charades so it really kind of steps it up a bit, so that way he doesn't want to come see you anymore. It's really sad. I used to try to counsel the kids. Now they walk in and I say, look, you got this. Bye. It's a short one. I'm, just, I'm done. <laughs> that point in the year, fellas. Oh, well, all the best to you on that. And uh, <laughs> I, I hope you have a glorious summer as a payoff. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's uh, comforting or disturbing that things haven't changed. Because I remember when I was a senior, I think, I worked in the office and yeah, it was the same kids over and over and over and over. <laughs> Repeat offenders. I uh, I got in trouble one time with our principal, 
And uh, it was funny because he, you were there. I, I told a dirty joke in the hallway and he said, Paul, don't let me hear you repeat that again. Like he was trying not to laugh. I know he was going to go home and tell a buddy that joke later on in the day. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate kids like that. It's, and, you know, and I even like my bad kids. It's just after months and months of the same old thing mm-hmm. and no parental help, man, I'm just at the end of my rope. Yeah, that's the sad part. That's the yeah. sad part. And of course, it's never the kid's fault. It's the system, man. You know, you guys are gaming it against my child. Yeah. Well, a lot of cases, it's not the kid's fault. I mean, it is. Yeah. But um, through a lack of parenting and skills growing up and all kinds of things, they've got a lot working against them and it comes out in all kinds of crazy ways. Yeah. I guess what I was trying to say is that, you know, there's always a, a blame going on and it's never really looked yeah. at from the, um, I guess, the source. <laughs> yeah true story <clears throat> boom all right let's get this baby started tonight this is uh challenge two in our new challenge game where we read something that has been written about a performance or an album and usually it's got some high nifty language that's uh, meant to be flowery and show how smart the writer is but sometimes it leaves the reader wondering who the heck they're talking about so tonight I have Tony's and I'm going to read this to you. It's actually in two parts. It's an intro to the review and then the ending paragraph. He's put the two together and then it's our job to figure out who he's talking about. And he has just sent me another email that I will open after we talk about it for a moment. Right on. Are you gentlemen ready? As ready as I can be. <clears throat> Excuse me. Good to go. All right, let's do this. It starts out, who would want to be a rock hero? At this late date, the role seems utterly thankless, a never-ending attempt to navigate between fans' escalating demands on the one side and diluted self-importance on the other. Anyone with a memory can tally the would-be heroes who ended up as cranks, self-parodies, small-timers, or corpses. Even self-proclaimed anti-heroes slip up and become mundane. It's hard to find some middle ground between Rock's egalitarian myth that anybody can do it and the gifts of talent, passion, and charisma or to take songs seriously without inviting cackles from Beavis and Butthead. But fill in the blank. The lead singer and lyricist has volunteered for the job and he has kept himself honorable through this group's second album. His stalwart baritone sustained and resolute gasping with exhaustion or shouting in the last ditch rasp is the voice of a long-suffering defiance he offers not the illusion of heroic power but the consolation of empathy that is the intro talk about a mouthful this is the 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 quick last paragraph it says uh, ending the paragraph of the review this group's new songs don't mention hope that's in the music where drum beats and guitar lines are something to depend on more than families, friends, policemen, or the kindness of strangers. Instead of succumbing to despair, the lead singer insists that the struggle to survive is heroic. And when the band's riffs kick in, it's not hard to believe him. I knew who it was from the beginning. It's Engelbert Humperdinck. Damn you. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, Man. There, I mean, there, there's part of me that 
I mean, I don't think this band ever got reviews to that re- high regard in terms of just the the duty. Um, they were more underground, but you know, kind of speaking of the vocal qualities, it made me think of Peter Steele from Typo Negative. But uh, I would say that's probably a stretch in this instance. I was going to go with Rage Against the Machine, but the baritone. Right. Yeah. Threw me off. That's what's kind of throwing me off. I was thinking, I don't know, some of it made me think of Danzig, kind of. But uh, yeah, I got a little bit of that too. Yeah, some of it did, but some of it was like, no, I don't think so. Man, that's a tough one. For sure. So here's the. Um, a never-ending attempt to navigate between fans' escalating demands on the one side and diluted self-importance on the other. It wouldn't be Megadeth, although. <clears throat> well, even that, I was thinking, um, you, you think about people who are kind of heady, like Nirvana, or, um, I mean, even Tool, in that respect. Some people think that they're mm-hmm. diluted, or, I don't know. Yeah, but I the, was hoping I mean, that you would not go for Tool, and the baritone thing definitely threw me off of that. Mm-hmm. Precisely. Yeah, baritone's got me. I don't know. You guys have even like a guess you want to throw out before we look? I don't. I. I, the, I, only mean, the, baritone, I the only the baritone that comes to mind is the Crash Test Dummies, but that's duties of. Uh, uh you know that they mentioned which by the way give yourself a hand the second album if you've never heard it is fantastic all right to give them some credit it's really good but anyway let's carry on i'm gonna stick with danzig i don't know i i really like nothing else is jumping out at me yeah danzig doesn't sound too baritone ish to me um yeah i i got nothing yeah stumped Talent, passion, and charisma. I don't know. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. That was my fail. Here theme. we go. Answer to the guest, the review challenge. Okay, here we go. Line, 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 line. I'll post the answer below. Don't cheat now. Believe me, the answer's coming. <laughs> Just a few more dashes. Oh, Pearl Jam on Versus. Oh, I can I can actually see that now. I mean, there is that yeah. pressure. Same. Yeah. When you were giving the anticipation, there was a bit of a lag in my internet connection, so your voice dragged yeah. out more. <laughs> yeah, that's what I got. I had the answer is me. By the way, Thought you know so. what makes sense about this now is I remember when this came out uh, was about the same time that nirvana came out with heart-shaped box Mm, and i remember a lot of those same comments coming that nirvana had progressed and they became more important and their music was more and nirvana kind of or pearl jam kind of slipped into this you know other phase where they were just kind of riding the coattails of 10 um so that it does kind of make sense i'm surprised i didn't think of it damn it I will say that verse is it verse or verses? How verses verses? Okay, that's what I thought. I I definitely dug the album. There's some really good tunes on there. Was that one? Um, Don't you on me? I can't remember the name of the tune, but uh, just a real driving groove. I thought that was great. Yeah, I loved it. I know uh, Vitalogy was starting to become that far cry from uh, what people were wanting. Um, so when you first said Pearl Jam, I thought it was leaning toward that album, as a matter of fact. But I was wrong. 
Vitology was the last one that I absolutely loved. I find See, I did that's that's where I gave out. I bought Vitalogy. I absolutely love 10 and verses. I bought Vitalogy and I was like, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. After that I could pick a song or two here and there, but I never felt like I could just sit and listen to and you know me, love my album straight through, but I struggle with those a little bit. Um which is a shame because of how much I love them. And they were fantastic in concert, you know, this last fall when we saw them. Right. So, great challenge. And guess who's got it next week? Me. Metalhead Monday. Well, Because he's behind. So... We do it one week behind. So he does the challenge yeah. this week. Okay. The other challenge next week. Okay, got it. Well, he's always been our wild card, which was why I was defaulting to myself. I'm not an egomaniac <laughs> too much. <laughs> So I just have to find a review to try to stump you guys, huh? That's right. Or, yeah, or anything that is said about an album that you're just like, what in the hell? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Something that just makes us think, so. Cool. All right. All right. Cool. So that brings us to the actual challenge. Again, By uh, apparently tonight it's Motorhead Monday, so what do you got? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Okay, so this week's challenge that I gave you guys was just find three, uh, not necessarily favorite, but just three album title tracks that you absolutely love. That simple. Okay, okay. I can do that. All right, JP, hit it first, then I'll go, and then we'll let Monday rock them out each round. All right, so I'm going to go in reverse order. Uh, number three, Somewhere in Time by Iron Maiden. That album is my favorite Iron Maiden album. Lots of great guitar work, great harmonies. That title track starts off with a nice little lead beginning and just builds up and it's a real dynamic tune. So uh, when he said title track, that was one of the first ones that, that came to mind as uh, a standout for me. And, you know, Iron Maiden, I have not followed a lot of their newer stuff. Uh, definitely a fan of the classics. I, I even love the first album with Paul Diano as well. I think that, you know, the journey of the band was very fascinating. And unfortunately, in the 90s, I fell off and I need to pick it back up. And it's one of those get around to it and listen and revisit. But um, a great band, great title track. Excellent choice. Yeah, I've come to so, appreciate. So we... Oh, go ahead. No, you go. No, go, go, go. I was just going to say, I like, you know, when I first started getting into heavy music, I didn't really care for Maiden that much, and it was mostly Dickinson's vocals that turned me off. But uh, you know, as the years have gone by, I've come to appreciate them a lot more. And I also, I love the, you know, was it the first two that Paul Deanna was on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, Killer, um, Killers, and I think the other one was, was it just self-titled? I can't remember. I think recall. so, yeah. yeah. But, sorry. yeah, I, I've definitely come to appreciate them a lot more. Yeah. And, you know, my brother, Mark, turned me on to them, you know, as a young kid and watching them play riffs and teaching me power chords with Iron Maiden tunes is what kind of got those gears running for me. So it's very sentimental in that regard. But, uh, you know, when they added a third guitar player to the band, Yannick Gers, uh, if I'm pronouncing his name wrong, I apologize. He was on Bruce Dickinson's solo album and then he came on board with Iron Maiden. Um, I think Adrian Young popped out for a bit or Adrian Smith. Man. I need to get my facts together, folks. Bear with me here. But nonetheless, Adrian was out. Yannick came in. And then when Adrian came back, they kept him. So they had three guitar players. And, you know, of course, Steve Harris, who's a madman on the bass. And so it was just became that much more of a powerhouse. 
Yeah. See, I'm like the opposite of you, Monday, because I was really digging them in the '80s, and then I kind of lost track through the yeah. you know, later '90s. And well, I definitely like the older stuff. Even go, you know, coming to it now, I, I do enjoy the older stuff more. Yeah, for sure. You know, and uh, that, that'll be my own personal challenge this year is to catch up on Iron Maiden and kind of evaluate the the years and and see you know how the newer stuff falls on my ears. So, Paul was. That number three or three, two, one's the best. Yes. Okay. All right. Good. I don't know if mine really are. I mean, they're kind of in this order, but God, there's so many songs out there. When you really, I, at first, I was like, "Dang, this is really hard." And then all of a sudden, I'm like, "Oh crap!" There's like this, 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 this. So I had a million to choose from. So anyway, my number three is uh, Pink Floyd. Wish you were here. Um, not only just one of my favorite songs from them, but another great album. Um, with having a cigar and uh, shine on you crazy diamond parts one through nine in two different sets um, just amazing stuff and uh, I love that song so that's yeah. number three great choice great great choice yeah that's another band that I've really come to appreciate more in later years I when I was you know first starting to really get into my own music and heavy music especially I just really I, did not care for Pink Floyd. And I think it was mostly just hearing him on the radio all the time around here. Mm -hmm. It just, you know, was played out and I was looking for something different. Well, you know, that too. And plus MTV was certainly trying to really sell the fringe and the edge on key programs. But then you click over to VH1 and then you had David Gilmore playing guitar and, you know, it was more safe. And, you know, as a kid who wanted that aggressive tone, you saw that and said, Oh no, that's, that's not for me. That's just VH1 sucks. I'm going back to MTV. I'll sit through this, uh, you know, video that I hate for a couple minutes and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But um, no, I mean, in, in really, I mean, they definitely played a lot more of the classic artists kind of up front. But, uh, you know, in hindsight, I've come to appreciate them that much more because of their impact on the bands I love. Yeah, I don't, it, I don't, it wasn't really that for me that wasn't what I was looking for. Because, I mean, I still, I've never stopped loving the stuff I grew up on, stuff I, you know, grew up hearing with my dad you know, like Eagles, Journey, CCR, Elton John, Billy Joel, that kind of stuff. Like, I, I never stopped loving all of that stuff. It just, I don't know, for whatever reason, Pink Floyd didn't click with me. Mm -hmm. But I, I definitely appreciate it a lot more now. Yeah. Are you in the toilet? I'm not. <laughs> oh, right. busted. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Monday, what do you got? What's your number three? Okay, um, I think I'm going to do mine in, uh, like, ascending uh, chronological order here. The, the most recent one that I picked is, you know, I, I, I got to go with uh, my favorite band of all time, Anthrax, and uh, their last album, which is a few years old now, the title track, For All Kings great choice it's, it's just a god it's a killer song it's you know it's got everything you love from anthrax all the great guitars charlie on the drums frankie's got that bass tone going and man joey joey belladonna just absolutely knocks it out of the park with the vocals yeah that's the best they've ever sounded and the last time we saw them live is the best i've ever seen them play too yeah i gotta say i was surprised you didn't pick 
Oh yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to be surprised we didn't pick you. <laughs> well, I don't have a title track now, do I? I know. I you were my number one, but <laughs> oh wait, no title track. You don't get it. Data is the East accolade. Tony can pick that next week. There you go. <laughs> for, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm counting on you, Tony. Come on now. <laughs> All right, Paul. Round two. Round two. A little riff from uh, this title track from an album I absolutely love. Justice for All, I'm in Justice yeah. for All. I uh, remember hearing that and, you know, at first when I was getting into music. <laughs> all right, so Winston and I became guitar players together. But before we became guitar players get together, I can't believe I'm telling the story. He and I were aspiring rappers. And <laughs> I think I've heard some of this audio and, before. And in fifth grade, well, there wasn't really any audio as much as we were lip syncing fat boys in our music perform, you know, music class and stuff I like that. You guys was it jailhouse rap? <laughs> oh god, it was crushing and uh, wipe out and all that stuff. And yes. uh, you know, I, I was the beatbox and the. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, you know, I, I put down the mic and, and retired my MC name of whatever it was at the time and picked up guitar and you know, started to get into the concept albums. And what I'm getting at is I don't really remember title tracks with Fat Boys, but uh, when I heard it, <laughs> this, this song was named after the album. Oh, my gosh. You know, it just uh, completely blew me away. So, yeah, you know, there's that little tidbit of wisdom for you guys. You know, definitely carry that in, in your uh, minds as you recall my legacy much later want, on in life i want audio too funny oh nice all right so, so after was... all of that your answer was injustice for all right yes or the fat boys <laughs> injustice for all you know it was worth noting the tidbit i mean you know i figured you guys would get a kick out of that oh we did absolutely yeah, i got more stories later on too for you <laughs> nice all right my number two is purple rain nice so that was just i always love like uh you know back in the 80s you know whatever you feel about michael jackson now or you felt about prince you know pretentious or whatever at that time no matter what those two put out everybody loved it no matter what kind of music you like you dug that stuff um i'm sure the if i went back and watched the movie purple rain right now i would <laughs> question myself no, but i loved it at the time the album was amazing the song was fantastic so uh, Purple Rain, definitely my number two. Well, there's there's some uh, value in the nostalgia and the, the feeling you get when you revisit that for sure. Mm -hmm. um, gosh, I, you know, listening to early stuff like that was, um, you know, it always reminds me of my sister having her records playing in her room when I was a kid. Um, you know, Prince was one of them, Michael Jackson, Bon Jovi, winger you know the list goes on and on and the hair got bigger and bigger Bundy knows that um but you know nonetheless I, I hear that stuff and I think of those those times when you know my uh, brain was getting fed music involuntarily but it was great stuff it was always a good time to hear that yeah purple rain that's I mean you if you don't love 80s prints something's wrong with you 
<laughs> yeah, no doubt. You know, uh, what, what song was it? Oh, Let's Go Crazy. Um, yeah. There was a lawsuit between him and the person who wrote the Howard the Duck theme song because they're so strikingly similar. Oh, if, wow. If you listen to them back to back, you're like, hmm, I see what you're driving at. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> All right. So uh, that brings us to the champion gargler. What you got? <laughs> yeah, what the hell is that about? And why am I the gargler and he's the warper? You've been singing to him, Steve. What is going on? <laughs> you can't prove it. Well, you know. <laughs> anyway. So my number two is um, one of my favorite bands that we almost saw live but didn't. It was a band called Life of Agony. Hell yeah. And their most recent release was called A Place Where There's No More Pain. And man, it, it was their first album in, I don't even know, I think, I believe, well over a decade. And uh, they came back with a vengeance and the album is killer. There's not a bad song on it. And Life of Agony is an interesting case because the singer, was formerly Keith Caputo and is now Mina Caputo. Uh, she is transgender and but still a kick-ass singer and amazing person and man I, the band is they've been nothing but supportive to her and it's they're awesome they're still out there touring and kicking ass and it's good it's great I, they've not lost a step in I don't know what like 25 years or more however long they've been doing it yeah no kidding the title track on this one is just an amazing song it's a long title for an album yeah and uh it's, it's yeah, pretty fitting out. with uh their stuff though I mean that's kind of you know that 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 title a place where there's no more pain is kind of it, they they have a lot of similar themed stuff so yeah for them pretty dark and heavy but you know river runs red also a great title track from their first album but um i don't know if you've seen their new drummer but she's fantastic yeah she's her name slips me but you know solid lineup Uh, alan robert and uh joey z have always been great great musicians and um alan's actually a killer illustrator too and um but yeah, I remember when I first heard them, like some of the riffs kind of felt simplistic in a way, but at the same time, there was just so much grit and so much drive with it. And then when you see them do it live, it just sounds so full. One of the biggest challenges of having a single guitar player in a band is getting a huge sound, but Joey is able to conquer that. Yeah, they kind of started out like on the New York hardcore scene and just kind of grew out of there. Each, they're kind of like each album is a little different. And they've kind of gone all over the place with their sound, but it's always good. Always good. Yeah. And even when they did some mellower stuff, it still was true to them. You know, they were able to stay true to their voice, even though they experimented and branched off a little. It always still had a life of agony feel to it. One of my faves. Absolutely. Great choice. I I applaud, salute, and back that 100%. (laughs) How do you really feel, Paul? Um, well, if I really have to write it down, oh, you don't. No, good. But we are up to you with number three. Number three. Or number one. As yeah. 
number one. This uh, Monday was there when when I heard this track. I think we were together, or at least on the phone, watching Headbangers Ball. But uh, um, Judas Priest, Painkiller. Oh yes. When that video dropped, you know, I had heard Breaking the Law and you know all the other classics. This was a completely new sound for Judas Priest. It was heavy. It was intense. It was kicking my ass, and you know, started off with some intense drums and. Then when the guitar kicks in and, and Rob is singing, I mean, that just, he just sounded completely angry and just full of energy. Um, blew me away. And then the album art to go on top of it was like, man, this whole package is killer. And, you know, just listening to that entire album, it did not disappoint whatsoever. And, you know, he carried that voice later on into fight. He definitely had that grit and that edge and, you know, didn't lose it. So, um, you know, I, I enjoyed Judas Priest before that, but I came a, became a real fan with Painkiller. Yeah, I have to agree that that song is, that is my, hands down, my favorite Judas Priest song. I absolutely love it. And I can listen to it over and over and over again. And I remember the video. It's like all the the guys are I, well. I think it was guys and girls, but just a car full of metalheads like stuck in traffic, no AC. Everybody's sweating, and the song comes on, and they're just doing the Wayne's World. Everybody's jamming in the car. <laughs> right, but yeah, great riff, great album. Anywho, just guess what my number one is. Come on, I bet out of two guesses, you can guess it both times. Rush and title track from Rush. 2112. Bam! There we go. <laughs> nails it. I wasn't going to do it, but then I just kept thinking, how could I not? That's one of my favorite pieces of music in the history of music, you know. That's not wrong with it. And uh, tells the story. It's got beautiful music. It's all over the place. It's hard. It's screaming. It's soft. It's uh, playing to the story. Um, they played it in concert all the way through, all 20-some minutes. Um, Neil Peart's in it. Wait, what? <laughs> Alex Lifeson. Alex Lifeson's in it. Wait a minute. Is Getty Lee playing on that one? I I heard it was him, but maybe Les Claypool filled in for him. But I, I could be wrong. <laughs> uh, I hear he plays the uh, keyboard with his feet. <laughs> Somebody's got it. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I'm sorry. I tried to pull back, but I couldn't. So there it is. Twenty one twelve. My number one. That's what he said. This is my That's shocked right. face. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right. Nice. I'm not using Rush in any show for the next half show. <gasps> what? I know. I promise. <laughs> I'll stop talking about Rush when Tony starts to, or stops talking about Tool or Nine Inch Nails. So never. Yeah. Good luck with no, that. No. When, no. My next. My next challenge. I told Monday we went out for breakfast and I told him. My next challenge is going to exclude anybody we've ever talked about before. <laughs> I, I right. uh, commend the efforts. Lately, I've been talking a lot about Metallica, so I guess I'm in that uh, same boat. Oh, we know. <laughs> the hey. gargler noticed. Metallica? Can you see a pattern? Hey, you heard of Metallica? <laughs> Definitely Metallica. All right, Monday, you got one, right? You got one last one? I do. My number one. So. I don't remember where I was when I first heard this, but I do remember it kind of changed how I listen to music. I'm going to guess before you announce it, so go on. 
okay, it kind of did this. I, I assume it kind of did that for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was not their first album per se, but it was the first time, first album anybody really heard, like, you know, nationwide. Um, so, and I do have a story about this, uh, but uh, yeah, you can guess, Paul, if you want. Well, it, it's gone now because I was going to say Toxic by Britney Spears, but um, I was going to Juice Newton. Yeah, she was already nationally renowned by the time that came out. So I gonna... do love Juice Newton. I do. Figured you did. I prefer Orange Juice Jones myself, but go yeah, on. I thank thanks, Dad, for that one. But uh, <laughs> what do you yeah, got? He loved he loved him some juice. <laughs> so, a uh, little ditty called "Cowboys from Hell." Never heard of it. Who? Pantera. Oh yeah. Yeah, I just, like, when that, it's the first song on the album, and when it kicks in, you know, it's got that, I believe it's like a run through a flanger or something, and it's that little, yeah, yeah, yep. and man, when I heard that, I was like, what is that noise he is making, and then the riff kicks in, and it's just stellar, Phil's vocals, that was when he was doing more of, like, the screamy wow. Rob Halford thing, and Man, it's just a great song. Great song. Oh, Pantera, yeah. they really like kind of, you know, they're one of the bands that just, they kind of, when they came on the scene, they changed everything and never looked back. For sure. Um, I still have that disc. You know, in mm -hmm. college, there was a lot of discs that when I was hurting for rent, I had to say goodbye to, and I ended up getting new copies of. But that one is always a reference to me because it's thicker it's heavier than you know discs of today they learned that they can kind of thin the plastic a little bit and save a little money on the materials cost but uh, that first pressing certainly is a durable disc and i'm really surprised that after all these years of owning that i don't have a single scratch on that cd um huh. but listen to it on repeat i couldn't tell you how many times learning riffs off of that album You know, and it was just like those payoff little breakdown moments. And, you know, then he'd start getting very fast. And I was like, well, I can't hang with that, but I'll try my, ow, I hurt. You know, that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, Daryl, uh, miss him tremendously. A player like no other. And, you know, I did get burned out on Pantera after a while. Selling records all the time. There was certainly, uh, you know, a fan base that would come in. And, you know, if you didn't like anything if you liked anything aside from Pantera, there was always some criticism and, you know, a little bit of attitude. And it's like, hey, it's music. Let's listen to music here, not just Pantera, okay? And so I took a little bit of a step back for a while. But anytime I hear stuff, I, you know, from them, I'm always back in memory lane of woodshedding and really just trying to hone in and, and learn the ways of Daryl Abbott that were truly unattainable. Yep. I think I said on a show recently that's one of my favorite riffs of all time. So yeah, Cowboys from fantastic. Hell. Fantastic. Yeah, love it. I, I remember. Uh, yeah, I have a question about mm -hmm. that CD, and yeah. then I have a story. Okay. Uh, did you have that CD when we were in like eighth grade? 
Yes, I got it. And it was still in a long box at the record store. And okay, every so. year for my birthday, I would get cash and I'd go and buy five or six CDs. And that was top of my list that year. Okay. I remember when you got it because you brought it into school. This was the story that I had. You brought that CD into school, and I remember you had it in uh, Mr. DeWitt's science class. Mm -hmm. And like we were passing it around, and some of the other people were looking at it, and they were like, What is that? Pantera? What, what is this crap? <laughs> and yep, I distinctly remember that in Mr. DeWitt's eighth grade science class. That's awesome. Little did they know that they'd probably turned around and said, oh, yeah, Pantera, once Walk came out or something. <laughs> I remember after uh, you know, Cowboys from Hell, listened to that album a ton, couldn't get enough. I was like, man, I want some new Pantera. I can't wait. And I remember just like sitting watching Headbangers Ball going, man, I would love it if a new Pantera song came on. And all of a sudden, this black, black light uh, you know, video comes on with like flashing strobe lights and stuff in the air. <laughs> And I you know, didn't know yeah. what it was. I'm like, this is awesome. I like it. And then all of a sudden, I see the title come up at the bottom, Pantera, Mouth for War. I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, just flipping <laughs> out. And then, you know, you better believe as soon as that cassette dropped, I went and got it. And, uh, you know, wore that out and got the CD and pretty much wore that out, too. I think that was when they were touring with Suicidal. And they even did a tour with Sacred Reich around that time, too. If not, because I know Winston caught one of those Probably. shows one or yeah. both shows and um, you know just high energy and wish I could have caught it then we had the pleasure of seeing him a couple times for sure after the fact but and I still got Rex's pick around here somewhere but man you know it's just like am I am I remembering didn't Winston meet uh one or two of the guys from Sacred Reich at one of those shows I don't remember them. I, I know feel he, like he had a story where like he was just in the hallway somewhere and he ran into like one or two of those guys or something. Maybe it's somebody else. But. Quite possible. Um, but I know he met Pantera later because he had his white guitar signed by uh, Daryl and, and Rex. Oh, sweet. But, um, you know, speaking of Sacred Reich, they're dropping a new album this year and I'm completely yep. stoked. Yep. Excellent. Oh, yeah. All right. So that wraps up this week's challenge. Weekly challenge. Boo. Challenge was accepted, conquered, and now I'm going to issue T-Bags on assignment, his new challenge for us for next week. All right. I have deciphered his notes. Here's the challenge. Carry the two. It is a two-parter. <laughs> you were right. So with Tony, this means that basically there are two parts and then there are Three extras that he gets to throw in, plus five honorable mentions. So this could take a while. Yeah. Divisible by seven. <laughs> so anyway, you're going to pick one album that you would have liked to have been able to witness how it came about from a technical perspective or a creative perspective or whatever. You wanted to be there when this thing was recorded, hatched, whatever you want to call it. Um, the idea, maybe the generation, but pick one album you would have liked to have been there from the uh, incarnation. And then the second part is to name one band you'd like to be able to see how they record their next album. And then he said the latter can stretch the truth a bit by using bands that are broken up or have a deceased member. Yeah, that's a cool challenge. I think it, I don't know, might be tough for me because I'm not very technical. All right. So that brings us to our review of the week. Album, album review. review.
Nice. Bad Religion came out on Friday. Um, actually came out a couple days before that, but uh, basically we were within a week um, of the release and we're ready to talk about it, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Monday. Yes. What's your overall feeling without digging in too deep? Just uh, a brief, brief overview. What do you think? Well, uh, I don't think anybody said the title. It's called The Age of Unreason. Oh, correct. And uh, I, you know, I'm a Bad Religion fan. Uh, loved them for a long time. Um, uh, I love Greg Graffin's voice. I think he's a very interesting vocalist. And he's kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of, if you hear him, like, it's kind of, he kind of always sounds the same, but if you really listen, I think he's a lot more dynamic than people think he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love his voice. Um, they're a very socially conscious band with their, their lyrics. And, you know, um, I think there is more than one PhD holder in that band, uh, Dr. Dr. Graffin being one of them. Um, so they're smart guys and they know what's going on and they pay attention and um, I appreciate that. But they always have real quick. I'm just picturing band practice. Doctor, 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 doctor. <laughs> three. No, God, I almost said three amigos. It's uh, spies Fletch. like us. Yes. Oh, yeah. Spies. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Dang it. Yep. Hey, what's a dick? What's a dick for? <laughs> I'm going to Way define derail that us there, JPP. <laughs> Doctor, <laughs> carry on. Um, anyway, I've always dug Bad Religion. I've dug their message. And this one is, it's very much a Bad Religion record, sound-wise. It sounds like Bad Religion. They, they've not strayed from the path, hardly, at all. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, which, you know, it's fine with me. If it ain't it's broke. Interesting. It's interesting uh, what you said there for a second about um, he kind of sounds the same and yet mm-hmm. you know that there's some nuance there that or whatever. And so as I listened a few times, I, I kind of catch myself thinking as I get more than halfway through the set to the album, like, okay, this is starting to sound the same. And then I'm thinking, no, that's just, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that because there is differences here and I'm maybe not acknowledging them as somebody who doesn't listen to them all the time and falling into that trap that, Oh, all this sounds the same. Um, I think that's kind of similar to what you're saying with his voice and the sound of that there's a difference, but maybe not being a hardcore fan. I'm just not getting it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's uh, you know, people fall into that listening to anything they don't typically listen to. Like that's what I, I say that about, the you know the pop country crap i'm like this is it all sounds the same and it's all terrible and people say that about heavy metal like it all sounds the same they're just yelling they're just screaming you know i mean it's if you don't really listen then it might all sound the same or similar or whatever but that's you know if you really listen to this album the songs are different and his vocals especially are kind of you know it's very dynamic it's all over the place but it, it still sounds like bad religion so mm. they just they have a sound and they stick to it but they still do different things so but they kind of keep it in their wheelhouse i guess is one way to put it yeah 
you know, I agree. Yeah. Tool, tools of the trade, if it ain't broke, right, and all that. Yep, yep. So, and right I on. have a couple of highlights. So uh, I really like the song um, My Sanity. I like that one a lot and uh, the lyrics. I, this one, I actually, I listened, it's so short. I listened to it through several times and the songs I really liked. Then I went back and all of the lyrics are online already. So that was cool. So that was pretty easy to look up and follow along. Um, and My Sanity, I really liked. Um, it's kind of like the basic idea is just like trying to uh, maintaining a tenuous grip on, on your sanity in these uncertain times. It's kind of, you know, there's a lot going on in the world and you have to try to keep your wits about you. Um, the Age of Unreason title track, I really liked. <clears throat> Call back to the challenge. Um, but this one, the Age of Unreason, really, like it kind of you know, kind of hits on the willful ignorance of a lot of people and uh, just how they just kind of stand their ground and, you know, are not able to listen to each other and have like a civil discourse about things. And, you know, it, it really kind of makes a point for education and communication and all of that. And, you know, this is the age of unreason and no one's willing to listen to each other and hence we are where we are. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really like the song Candidate and um, some of the lyrics, some of the lyrics hit on Trump a little bit, um, but they tried to, a lot of it, I mean, there's, there's a couple of digs in there, but it's really more uh, broad about politics in general uh where you know it's just like the politicians today were like image is everything and you know you're they really are pandering to the voters and making empty promises and do anything you can to get elected and i'm your candidate yes i am so you know i really like the those three songs i really like the music and then it made me go back and look at the lyrics and I, those those three really spoke to me quite a bit right on and i guess uh for a rating i i mean i love bad religion so i would give this a solid four and definitely listen to it again with all their other stuff four cool. out of 100 man you must have hated this. yeah <laughs> oh you didn't get the change in the rating system no 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 <laughs> i missed that memo um yeah i i did enjoy it i listened to it a number of times um i definitely enjoyed the first half more than the second half because i was listening all the way through and i think it's part of what i told you earlier um and i think that's more of my problem than the album's problem um i loved the end of history um for me that was the highlight because i felt like that was probably the most genuine message for everyone um there's sort of a political message there, but the message, you know, is something that we can all get behind. Um, because do we, when we look at history, I mean, what do we want to be part of? Do we want to be some negative aspect of it? Do we want to be known for, well, I think you might've mentioned the wall in there, maybe this monstrosity or something, but um, 
it's a, I think that one is a positive message for everybody. Um, so I don't think any side would care if you're looking at this album politically, <laughs> as far as that goes. I really like that song. I like that he ended on a really positive note with what tomorrow brings. Felt like that was kind of a feel good ending. Um, one problem that I sometimes have with, um, with political albums is obviously if they're artists, they're almost always way left. And so if you don't hold the same values, you're almost treated as an idiot. Um, I think the, I can't help but think when you're reading this, the Fox stained leaves can't be uh, looked at any other ways than Fox News, as if Fox News is the only news outlet that is pointed in one direction, because that's clearly not true. Um, so obviously they're hitting on the right. And, you know, I'm sort of a more central conservative, and it's not because I want to keep the poor man down and all of that. I just don't believe that government is the answer to all our problems. I, um, so I kind of fall in conservative ways in some of those. So I feel like I get lumped in a lot of times on people that I like when they rail on the right or on anybody who's conservative. Um, so sometimes I, I kind of get taken back by that. Um, not as much here. I felt like he kind of went both sides on a lot of things and just kind of pointed out. Uh, but I just wish at some point somebody could point out that the Democratic politicians are just as much idiots and numbskulls as the ones on the right. And they're just as disingenuous and they're just as paid off by big corporations. Um, but nobody ever wants to bring that to light. So, But for the album, I did enjoy it. I'd probably give it a three out of five. Um, I don't know that it's the go-to I would go back to very often. But uh, if it came on, I wouldn't turn it off. Groovy. Fair enough. Uh-oh. Looks like JPP got a call. <laughs> We've been set aside, Monday. We're not important. <laughs> Hello? Yeah, I have to call you back. I'm, I'm talking to a couple of yahoos right now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I got my notes on here, actually. So, that was nice for dramatic effect. Good, good play. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to preface this with a little story. Bad Religion was never a band I would seek out. Um, I was kind of force-fed them in my record store days. I got a buddy named Brad that I worked with and Brad's a good dude. I love Brad. I to death. Brad. Yeah. And I'll withhold last names to protect the innocent, but <laughs> Brad, Brad's a prankster and uh, he loved bad religion. He loved no effects uh, like no other uh, to the point where an eight hour shift was usually on repeat. And so, <laughs> you know, I got an entire discography one day of bad religion and, you know, after a while, it's like, man, I feel like I'm listening to the same album. And it's, you know, <laughs> you're right. I mean, you, you get bad religion when you listen to bad religion. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I don't dislike them by any means, but it's kind of like your mom makes you eat sauerkraut as a kid every day for a month. <laughs> you're, you're not going to want to enjoy it down the road. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. I had to come into this with an open mind and I did my best. Um, I didn't hate the album by any means. I think there's certainly some good tunes. There's some elements of um, the, the packaged punk thing that, you know, for me is not my aesthetic and, you know, it's the, the chord progressions and stuff like that, that play quite a bit. I mean, it's much like you were saying, listening to earlier, if you listen to pop country, it all sounds the same to you and stuff like that. But, you know, you don't immerse yourself enough to be able to differentiate and, and find the contrasting elements to make that unique in that genre. 
So um, I did have some tunes that really stood out to me. I really liked the approach. I liked um, Lose Your Head a lot. Uh, and of course, Big Black Dog that um, Metalhead Monday texted us about earlier. It sounds like a classic rock riff. I can't put my head on it. We mm-hmm. threw out some suggestions. Nope. Nope. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. None, of, none of that was it. <laughs> so, you know, uh, good luck on your quest. I can't dig into your mind and, and <laughs> figure it out. But, um, you know, I, I wish you the best on that journey. And, you know, when you wake up at two in the morning, please don't wake me up. You can text me. I'll get my phone off. But, uh, you know, let us know what you find out there. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I, in my listen, it was on a commute, so I didn't get a chance to really dig deep into the uh, uh, lyrics, but you know the the technical elements that I came to appreciate. I really like the backing vocals. Uh, they do a good job with really filling the song and kind of telling the story. Where with you know his voice versus the the group vocals and harmonies and stuff like that. And I feel like uh, you know all of that kind of has a doo wop element to it, even though it's not doo wop sounding music. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a call and response and and that sort of thing. So it was always a good play with those elements. Um, some good riffs going on too. Always a great guitar sound. You can't go wrong with that. Um, and just really driving overall too. Um, I'm going to give this probably a 3.25 out of five. I'll listen to the songs I liked again. I'm, I'll skim through it a couple times and see if it grows on me. But you know, given my bad religion experience in the past, it's it's kind of hard to not you know kind of feel like nah that taste is back kind of thing so (laughs) i got to tell you a quick story about brad though one of my favorite stories with him one of his pet peeves when nobody would listen to him he'd say how are you doing and the guy would be like uh yeah let me get this and he'd be like how are you doing yeah i need three tickets to the monster jam how are you doing (laughs) oh i'm okay good you ready to proceed? Like he would always make sure that they went through the formality before he would proceed with them. So, you know, I, I miss that, man. So shout out to Brad. Hope you're doing all right, man. I see him on Facebook every once in a while, but uh, you know, he's doing his thing and, and uh, you know, thanks for some good memories. We had a good time in the record store. You know, what's funny when you said that is I didn't even think about this, but I can't re- believe that we used to line up and go buy tickets at Karma. Right. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, isn't that insane? And it was so much cheaper because it cost $30 of convenience to charge less. Per <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And you know what the craziest thing is, is when I worked there, I sold one of the biggest selling events that we had. Um, well, one of them was the last Jerry Garcia show at uh, Soldier Field before he passed away. That was a large uh, row of people wanting to buy tickets. But then there was also... Uh, Garth Brooks, when he was on tour and that was at his biggest, we uh, sold the tickets. So we had a long line. Okay. So listeners, if you're not from our area, we had this really long plaza that this record store was on one end. Customers were at one at our end, went all the way to the opposite end and then lapped the building twice for Garth Brooks tickets. Whoa. Wow. And so we had one night booked it sold out in five minutes. The crowd's going really, ah, oh, you, you hear that group of just right. disappointment. Hey, second night opened up. Yeah. <laughs> sold out in five minutes. Ah, oh, <laughs> night opened up. Yeah. Sold out. Ah, oh, fourth night folks. Yeah. We got through a good chunk of those people and wow. it was incredible. It was efficient. It was cash only so you know one guy was doing the cash other one was dishing out the tickets and printing them there on the spot we had to have a local sheriff take us to the bank to deposit for that particular 
presale. Wow, and wow. it was, you know, astounding. And, you know, I think I was maybe 1920 at the time, something like that. So to be a part of that and, and just kind of see a fan response and, you know, such a big yeah. event was, was incredible. And, you know, the bands I listened to at the time, like we felt like we were in, you know, sardine land being packed, but not to that degree where, you know, they, they kept the tour wide open so they could just book dates on the spot and probably hardly any nights off on that tour for those guys. Yeah. I got so, a question about that. Yeah. Um, at what point did they start doing the lottery system? Like everybody would show up and get in a big long line and mm-hmm. then you guys would come out and piss everybody off because you would start drawing numbers and it would screw up the whole line. Yeah, um, it was while I was there and I was not a fan of it. I remember that much. And um, because I felt like, you know, those people that did their due diligence, they showed up. Right. Much like, you know, the Best Buy fans for Black Friday with their tents and waiting it out. And then, oh, I'm sorry, man, but you're going to have to be the last one now. And that's uh, just that's life deal with it kind of thing. And that's yeah. just too bad. But uh, yeah, there was some, some crazy uh, dealings in that regard. And I think they were just trying to instill some fairness for, for those in the middle. But you know, when it comes down to it, it's about merit and those who are willing to show up and, you know, pay the, the due of time to, in order to get, you know, some better dibs. And even when we started pre-selling, you know, a lot of times we were kind of at the mercy of what section opened up for us. Cause there were so many computers digging into that, that uh you know seating chart you couldn't guarantee that they were going to get a good seat by the time you were able to you know hit three for best available now did you get first dibs being an employee there not really um there were times when i would put my name in the roster and i would get lower pavilion at deer creek yeah you got us some good seats a couple of times yeah i mean they were decent but you know <laughs> i never got like any kind of posh package or anything like yeah, that out, yeah. out of the deal but you know it, it always helped to you know say hey i i've got you know, three guys, can we, can we get hooked up? And, you know, we, we would uh, at least be able to see them sweat and all that kind of stuff. So it wasn't, wasn't too terrible. (laughs) All right. Great challenge. And I just want to clarify that I'm not a crazy righty and I don't like Trump. So I didn't want any confusion there. (laughs) I'm pretty much centered, but uh, you know, I don't want confusion. People hate me. So. All right. Well, we did it. We got through a bunch of challenges and um we do not have a record to review next week so guess what fans it's going to be a surprise before we Paul, sign where's off that Jim, where's that the jim neighbor sample there surprise surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, sounds like you made it well done thanks thanks gome uh, anyway other than what we did this week uh monday what are you listening to what's uh, worth our time I got a couple here. Um, uh, the new Amon Marth was released. It is called Berserker, and it is fantastic. So Would you I like some making? Whoops, wrong one. Nope, nope. That's Russian. Russian, not Viking. <laughs> is that Jay and Silent Bob stuff? Berserker. The, yeah. From Clerks, yeah. Um, that was his cousin from Russia, yeah. Olaf uh, Metal. Olaf Metal. Um, but yeah, no, the new Amon Marth is fantastic. Uh, I sent you guys a clip that I'm not sure everybody was into, but whatever. I loved it. I didn't you get got, a chance to listen to it. I need to go back and <laughs> catch Valhalla. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to love a song named after uh, Thor's hammer. So <laughs> right on. Um, check it out. But so yeah, it's fun. I, you know, whatever Viking metal. It's all it's all good. Um, listening to Bad Religion act 
actually, you know, I love Greg Graffin's voice, so I went back. He's done a few solo albums in uh, three, maybe. But his most recent one was from 2017, and it's called Milport, and it is actually a country album. So, huh. yeah, it's album. pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet. It is. It's very good. So, um, it is not pop country. Otherwise, I would hate it. Um, <laughs> but it's it's pretty fantastic. So I'd recommend that Milport by Greg Graffin. And I went back a little ways, about 10 years, uh, to a little electronic group called The Chemists. Oh, yeah, I remember them. Yeah, and it is spelled with a Q. It's Q-E-M-I-S-T-S, The Chemists. And their album, Join the Q, which came out in 2009. And, man, it's great. It's just kind of, I don't know, there's several guys, I think it's a I don't know, two, three DJs, and they have live musicians, drummers, guitarists, and whatever, and they just mix it all up into this awesome electronic soup, and it's pretty fantastic. All right. JP, anything new this week? I kind of went through memory lane. You know, speaking of ticket sales, uh, one album that I, I kind of got fired up for again, thanks to Monday was uh, machine heads burn my eyes um, oh, yeah. 25th anniversary. And so they, uh, the band has the original lineup and there's some footage of them in the studio actually performing it. And gosh, it sounds just like the album. Like it is so good. So, so good. solid. Yeah, man, it's, it's intense and, and so great. And uh, we, I think you and I were at, at karma for, uh, a pre-sale, take a concert pre-sale. And I can't remember which event it was, but we were getting tickets and we were looking in the, the tape section while we were kind of mulling in the store, waiting our turn. And um, you or I picked up machine heads, burn my eyes and we're not, we weren't disappointed. And I think was Dave oh. McKeon, the artist of that on that album cover. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. He was. So, you know, that always was an appealing factor. Oh, got to check this out. Even though he never listened to that style of music, he, his, yeah. uh, his aesthetic always accentuated it nicely. Yeah. But, he made a few comments along the way of doing all these covers for bands he would never, ever listen to. Nonetheless, he's a great artist and uh, that album is fantastic. In my metal nostalgia, um, actually today, after listening to Bad Religion again, I uh, was craving some Kirk Weinstein and uh, popped in some Crowbar. Been listening to a couple of their albums, and, and yeah. uh, you know what a riff master he is! Very unconventional. He nope. really plays he's, with. <laughs> he's the riff lord. Yeah, he plays. That's what his knuckle taps are. It says riff lord. That's that's awesome, and <laughs> and he's got an enviable beard to say the least. But uh, that's the beard of doom. Bundy mm. <laughs> says gargler. <laughs> <laughs> With an exclamation oh, Sorry, point. my hands were up high enough to get that in there. Sorry, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, like his his riffing and voicings are just what he can get the guitar to translate with all that distortion is really incredible. And then crazy time signatures here and there, and and uh, just singing on top of it too. Um, just a nice kind of a doomy texture and and just great stuff to to chill out to and in its own, you know, if you can chill out to some metal, that's some good stuff for sure. So <laughs> those are, those are the two big um, uh, groups I've been listening to this week and kind of opposite spectrums where you got Rob Flynn melting my face with fast and yeah. aggressive. And then you've got Kurt just kind of slow grinding the whole thing. 
I have a side note about Kirk. Mm -hmm. uh, he's awesome. He's hilarious. I don't know. Um, uh, Jamie Josta from Hatebreed has started doing, I think they've done two episodes of a show on YouTube called Metal Dudes Doing Non-Metal Things. Oh, man. It is hilarious. Uh, Kirk features prominently in the second episode, so I would recommend finding that. Okay. And uh, also, Josta manages Crowbar. Oh, cool. I didn't so, know that. Yeah, yes, he does. And they're like the, you know, best of friends or whatever. But um, Josta has a clothing company and he does, I think he has done a Kirk shirt that says it's like his face with the beard and it says Beard of Doom. Sold. And he also has, he's done a series of shirts called Rift Beast, which he actually trademarked. And he's done several of those, and I think he did one with Kirk, a uh, Rift Beast shirt with Kirk, too. Awesome. And I've, I know uh, Kirk's in some side projects, like Kingdom of Sorrow or something like yes, that. Yes, Kingdom and, of Sorrow with Josta. Okay, yes. that's, I was going to say, Josta was affiliated with that, yeah. Yep. And I've heard that. That's great stuff, too. So that's on They've my list to this week. Cool. Two albums. Great, great. I'm, I'm looking forward to that second one. I've heard the first one. So that'll be on my playlist for tomorrow. So there Metal Dudes is on YouTube? Yes, metal dudes doing non-metal things. Right, I gotta check that out. It's fantastic. Both of them are great, but yeah, Kirk's in the second one. Excellent. I'm gonna have to check that out. All right. So, uh, I write down all the stuff we talk about every week. So this week, <laughs> um, I went back because Tony has talked about Damian Rice for so much of our shows. Um, I went back and listened to the, some of the songs he mentioned and just kind of put on an album and listened to it at work and stuff. Uh, this guy is indeed a brilliant singer. Uh, you definitely have to be in the mood of super mellow. Uh, he's just got a very engaging, kind of haunting voice. Uh, very good. Really dug that. Um, I did, uh, Jeremy, you had mentioned uh, Romstein a couple yes. times with their new song. I listened to him, didn't love him. Wasn't turned off. I'm going to have to check him out again. Um, Did you watch the videos or just listen to the song? I just, I was at school. So oh, I was, I was putting all videos. my discipline in the computer. So I was just cranking them up. And uh, you got to watch the videos, especially Deutschland. <laughs> okay. I'll do that. Um, what was the, Oh, and so for the challenge, I'm, I was thinking of, I did want to do 2112. So I put on a farewell to the Kings while I was working out. And uh, I'm listening, and then, you know, right after that song is Xanadu, and it just totally overshadows the other one, so I couldn't pick it. So that's why Farewell to Kings <laughs> did not make my list this week. Uh, too overshadowed by its own album. <laughs> All right. You guys have anything left for the good of the order? Nope. You can find us on uh, Facebook at Wanderings and World Gathering, also on Instagram. Guilty of not posting a lot lately, but you know what? After we get off this episode... I'm going to hop on and I'm going to post a link to the bad religion tune that Mundy can't decipher that riff that he hears oh, in his head. Yes. And somebody help me. Somebody <laughs> <Yeah>. help me. <laughs> and, you know, cure Mundy's insomnia now. And uh, that way maybe we can get a resolve to this and, you know, he can get back to, to normal because he's blowing up my phone all, all day. What is this riff? <laughs> and uh, we'll go from there. Metalhead, where can we find you? I am on Facebook under just my name, Jeremy Mundy, and um, I'm on Instagram at Metalhead Mundy. Excellent. You can find me 
at Foggy's Pal on Instagram and Twitter. I think that wraps it up. Next week we'll be back and we'll be talking about interesting uh, ways that albums were created in the past and uh, one we would like to see in the future. And um, Metalhead will be presenting us with the quote album challenge. Until then, we'll see you next week. Bye now.